welcome to the Tea Grannies. I'm Elise. And I'm Maria. Today we're here to chat about story building, so pour yourself a cup of tea and let's get started. Dozens of sweat-slicked bodies fill the sandy beach, twirling and touching under the glow of crisscrossing fairy lights. Palm trees line the jagged edge where sand meets jungle, standing crooked from years of braving summer storms. Though the night air is heavy with moisture, the sky is clear. Stars litter the space overhead, shimmering off the equally dark sea. A raging bonfire sits at the center of the revelry, on pale sand, bathing those who dance around it in a warm hue. Off to the side, closer to the dense forest than the water, I watch from an enclosed, ruby-colored tent as bodies squirm in tune to the rhythmic drums and string instruments. Squeals and chatter battle with the music, filling the air. Some folks wear the finest garments they own, silk slacks or breezy gossamer skirts in every shade imaginable, but the majority wear only their skin. Tonight's bacchanal is especially rambunctious. The pleasant weather allows for celebrating on the beach rather than in the palace, like we've been limited to in the weeks past, and the joy is contagious. I fan myself with one hand, lifting a heavy curtain of midnight hair off my neck with the other. I don't know how they stand to have a fire in this heat, Alona says, her freckled face moist from humidity. She pulls her fiery red curls off her shoulders, tying them with a strip of cloth. It's all about atmosphere. I say, reciting my mother's words with an eye roll. We both chuckle. So overall, I thought this was a really lovely piece. The descriptions are beautiful and they really set the scene. Um, I would suggest moving one or two of the sentences from the first paragraph into the second. So we meet our main characters a little earlier, but we still get all that awesome world building. Uh, I thought the details were perfect, the night air being heavy with moisture, the bonfire and the color contrasts. Uh, and we get a, a clear physical picture of Alona. Am I saying that right? I think it's Alona. I think so. But uh, not so much of the main character. So we also don't get her name, which, I mean, I can't say that's a must-have on the first page. Like, I'm trying to think of books where you get the their name on the first page and mm -hmm. nothing is coming to me. Mm -hmm. But <laughs> most readers will have, like, a back cover copy and they'll you know, they read the synopsis, so they'll know what the main character's name is. It just seems a little, um, I feel like we're missing it, maybe just because of the context and that we're mm -hmm. reading these. So there is that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, overall, I thought this was really great. And I will let Elise get to her, her slightly more detailed comments. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I um. So when I read these, I try to read them without reading your comments. I just, mm. I just read it. And then I think, okay, what do I want to say? And then after I've put in my my highlights, I then go and look at what you've said and see if I want to touch on anything. So I was reading through your overall stuff and it's like, yeah, yes, on all accounts, the visuals in this piece are just delicious. They're gorgeous. I have such a vivid picture and feel for the, for the opening setting of the story. So like um, for setting the stage, this is brilliant. Um, and then all the way through the descriptions are just delightful and not overdone. I didn't feel like they went too far, but just enough to paint this picture, the perfect picture that I need. Um, and then I love the brief character descriptions we're getting right before the page ends. And um, 
yeah, maybe we need a character name for the main character that should come in pretty quick there. Um, even if it's on the back cover, I feel like if you can work it into the story somehow in a natural way, mm-hmm. that can help just establish this <clears throat> more of a connection. Um, but then, yeah, other than that, I just had a lot of curiosity about a few small things that I think will become very important later. Um, and so I was left with some questions and just wanting to read more, which is exactly what you want, which is brilliant. Uh, but the first one, there's a line in there about why, about the parties having been limited to the palace until this moment. Why? What? Why couldn't they have their parties on the beach up until now? That I Beach think, parties are way better. Right? So yeah. I feel like this might be some very important information that we just don't understand the relevance of yet, which is fine. Like, I like how it's set mm-hmm. up that way, but I was just very curious um, and would hope that that information might start to be delivered in the next couple pages. Uh, the second one is who is the I, the main character, and what is their relationship to Alona? Um, how do they know each other? Why are they hiding in a tent together? Like that whole situation is like, okay, they're watching the party, but they're not participating. Mm-hmm. Why is that? Um, I was very curious about that. And then my third one, and <laughs> yeah, you might get the giggles here a little bit. We'll try and keep this calm, but please tell me because I need to know. And you can respond to my comment, the author, if you feel up for it, uh, and tell me directly if you want. But is this party an actual orgy or are people just kind of drunk? Because... <laughs> Um, I had to look up the definition for the word bacchanal and, um, it could go either way. You know, it's a toss up. It could be, it could be one, it could be the other. And I just really feel that that needs some clarification. Maybe not in this first opening page, but in the next page, we should know whether it's one or the other. I think that's fairly crucial information. Um, <laughs> and I like how when I read it, I was like, oh, it's a party. And then I saw Elisa's comment. I'm like, orgy? Did we read the same piece that I went back and saw it? And then, <laughs> anyway, and then I was looking at the beginning mm-hmm. of the piece and then the sweat slicked skin and I was mm-hmm. like, oh, maybe it is. Orgy. And people are just wearing their skin. So, you know, it could be, it could go either way. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we, uh, we're having a good laugh about that. Uh, oh. You know my background from the romance episodes and things we've talked about before. So <laughs> The irony is that you noticed that and I didn't. I know. <laughs> right? I think that's hilarious. But it's only because I looked up the word. If I hadn't looked up the word, it wouldn't have caught on for me but I was like I don't know that word I think I know what they're trying to say by that word but these other details I'm not so sure so I looked it up I was like ah there it is the orgy (laughs) there it is uh so yes I'd really like to know and I think in the next couple of like either in this page or the next it should be made clear to the reader because I think that's a really important distinction (laughs) um and it it sets the tone um very differently one way or the other so um, and then other than that, I'm also not really sure what direction this piece is going, what genre it is going to be. Um, that information might be covered on the back cover copy with the, with the cover art and everything with that might be enough to guide me, which is great. Uh, but at this point I don't have any major critiques for this submission. Like it's very polished and I just want to mm-hmm. know, I want more information. Basically I'm curious about all these things. Um, and I would be happy to read further to find that out. It's very, very beautifully written. Um, but yeah, I have these questions and. I don't have a whole lot of clarity yet, so. And uh, this particular writer has a book coming out. Ooh. I can't remember when it comes out, but I know it's coming out. Exciting. In 2022. Exciting. And I believe it's this story that we just Okay, so I can from. find out more. Good. So you can find out more. <laughs> and uh, and we'll end up reading it and putting it up on our Instagram page where we do all our reviews. So I'm Exciting. really excited about that. Oh, yeah. Can't wait. 
This fairy is being a pain in my ass. We've been stuck inside these concrete walls for hours, and she's still playing the innocent act that I've seen through since the beginning. The big blue watery eyes don't fool me. I know she killed my victim. Please don't make me tell it again, she begs. Her already tiny frame looks even smaller, seated behind the large metal table between us. Her long pink hair has fallen over her face, but I can still see the crocodile tears that she's trying to use against me. You can stop telling the story, Layla, I say to her, placing my palms on the table and leaning in close. When you stop lying. She sniffles, and it's all I can do to keep my eyes from rolling. For a moment, I think I'll have to prompt her again, and then she starts to speak, her tone tinged with frustration. I was getting off work at the coffee shop when Sam texted me, asking me to come over. I walked from the coffee shop to his apartment. When I got there, I knocked, but he wouldn't answer. I tried the door, and it was unlocked, which which was unusual. As soon as I walked in into the apartment, she pauses and makes a sound, which almost sounds like genuine pain. I could smell the blood. I, I checked the living room and found his body. I wait for a second. But it seems she's ending the story there, as she has every other time I've heard her tell it. With a tense sigh, I ask, Where exactly was the body located? Bet between the couch and the coffee table. So carefully rehearsed. Usually, if I make a suspect tell their story enough times, they slip eventually. Some minute detail doesn't add up, or changes just enough to matter. Layla, though, she's good. As much as I hate doing it, it looks like I'll have to resort to a more deceptive technique. Did you go near the body? Layla's head shoots up, and she meets my gaze, surprised by the question. I've asked her the same things over and over again for five hours. But this is new. So I thought this had a great opener. Uh, the first line was awesome and definitely attention-grabbing. Mm -hmm. Uh and there's a lot I like about this piece. The biggest thing is I'm not getting enough setting or detail before the fairy starts telling her side of the story. And I think the tension could be better or just as good if the writer could build a little more anticipation before the fairy confesses. Because as much as we like to be dropped into a story, I feel a bit like I'm on chapter two and I'm missing something crucial. Mm. And uh, I mean, the entire premise seems amazing. Like... I'm kind of picturing a good cop, bad cop, fairy situation. Yeah. And they're questioning each other about an unusual death. And there's like a lot of potential. Um, but yeah, I just need a little little bit more anticipation. Mm. Interesting. Okay. And my other, my other thought was that um, Layla, the fairy, I feel like we could trim that confession because I don't think we need a lot of that information. Mm. So like when she starts talking about she was getting off work at the coffee shop all the way until she found the body. Um, none of that information is actually really important to us until she is at the door trying to get in and then mm -hmm. she walks in and finds and finds the body. So uh, I think that could be trimmed and then you could kind of build up some more tension in the first page and then we would be 
you know, yeah. off to the races. Yeah, you it. could even trim it to say, like, when I got home from work, I knocked on the door and he didn't answer. Mm-hmm. Just start from there and just yeah. Yeah, shorten it that much to keep it uh, tight. And that'll keep the mm-hmm. keep the reader going. We should note that, that it's not a confession. It's just she's kind of describing how she found the body. Oh, yeah. She's not she's actually telling, confessing yeah. to, to murdering anybody. Uh, important <laughs> distinction. <laughs> but yeah, um, agreeing with you 100%, the opening line is fantastic that made me grin Mm. that made me like okay we're getting into something good here yeah um and then the overall vibe like we're getting a blend of fantasy and police procedural and like this is 100 percent my guilty pleasure this is everything i want (laughs) rolled into one and i don't usually see these two things together so i'm very down for this um i was very down as soon as i finished the first paragraph So I do think I agree with Maria that this story could start in a stronger place. And whether that's the main character bringing this aspect in for the first time or earlier, or even consider starting things a little bit later. Like if Layla really is going to be just a side character, basically, you could skip past the interrogation entirely Mm -hmm. and just start the story after the main character has already interrogated her and moved on from that. And maybe they're like ranting about it to one of their coworkers, but I think what we're trying to get at with these comments is that no matter where the story starts, it might be able to start in the moment that you have it. Um, Something needs to be in place to add more tension and more stakes right off the bat. Otherwise, it feels a bit, I don't know if it's cliche or just like, this is just another police procedural. What's actually exciting about it? I think maybe that's the piece that's missing. Like we, we know that there's fairies, but at this point, there's been nothing to complicate the situation, even though there is that reality. Um, so one of the things that I wondered about was the main character says that this fairy is lying to her in other fairy stories with the fae world. Fairies can't lie. Oh, they're not capable of that. So my first bump was, okay, we're doing fairies, but the rules are different. Um, which is fine. Like there's all sorts of ways to do fae. You don't Mm -hmm. have to use all of the rules. This can be your own kind of blend of that. But the, the thing that I think makes Faye's stories so interesting is those cultural distinctions, like Faye can't lie. And how do you have them um, confessing to something that they did or trying not to confess to something that you know they did, but you need evidence mm-hmm. of? That's what makes that whole Faye side so interesting and complicated. Um, but if you don't have that, what do you have? What makes the Faye aspect of this story interesting in this moment? Because currently it's just like she's talking to another human. Um, yeah. So I think that might be what's missing there. Um, another thing that I thought might work to add that tension here, if you don't want to reveal all the Faye stuff right off the bat, is maybe have a coworker in there with the main character and they can do a good cop, bad cop routine. Mm-hmm. Because something that I noticed was this character is saying, like, these are crocodile tears. This person is obviously lying to me. I don't believe them at all. Um, and I was wondering if that is where the tension is supposed to be. And if that's the case, then that needs to be more in your face. Because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm wondering if this character, the main character, is going to have to go through some kind of revelation or character development where they they trust people a little more. And they're just way too hard on people. Because that's kind of the vibe I'm getting, that they're assuming that this person is lying way too quickly. Um, and if that's it, then I would, yeah. Add in another coworker to yeah. kind of emphasize that, hey, I think you're coming on a little too strong here. Let's actually listen to what this fairy has to say. But again, don't know. I'm not sure what the what the Lots intent of potential is. Absolutely, where could go. <laughs> absolutely. But yeah, adding that extra dynamic to make things just that much more unique 
I think mm-hmm. is what's missing. Um, and other than that, like I had a few wording suggestions along the way to smooth out some sentences, but I really just loved the idea of a fairy cop mashup and I want to read more of that. So keep going. Uh, the other thing that I just remembered when you were talking was mm-hmm. I did make a note um, where she says, I know she killed my victim. Mm-hmm. Who is the victim? Mm-hmm. We should we should have a name there. Even in like a police procedural, they wow, words are hard. <laughs> procedural. Um, <laughs> they would they would say the victim's name, Often, right? Yeah. Like because sure. yeah, and there's usually a lot of there's a lot of that in like crime shows. Mm-hmm. Um, but also we we need to know because like the vic- it's obviously going to be important who the victim is, and so we need a name or something there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was another thing, and mm-hmm. uh, just like in the first one, we don't get a main character name here, and we don't get a right. lot about our main character. Um, we do get like a little. We can tell, like obviously, she's not very trusting, and and things like that, and she thinks this person's lying to her, this fairy's lying to her, but or them. Um, and I I just needed a little more character. I think. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's a that's yeah. a very fair point. But this is like definitely going to be a really fun story. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I feel like it's going to be really cool. Absolutely. And I'll just add mm-hmm. to the the victim comment. I did I noticed your comment there um as I was reading it. And mm-hmm. I'm kind of of two minds on that one cuz with police procedurals, they do get into the who the victim is and everything, but mm-hmm. um sometimes it's not until a little bit later because okay. if the victim is not really related to the main character, like the cop is just doing a job, they've they have this murder case that they have to work on. They don't know anyone personally, but this is their job and that's why they're involved. Even adding a name or any additional detail, it's not gonna give you that emotional beat that you would get if it was mm. the main character's sister or their best friend right, or like their lover right so, so if there is emotional like, connection mm-hmm. then i would put that there absolutely if it is mm-hmm. someone that the the main character knows and that's why they're going so hard on this case definitely have that in that first paragraph because that empathy is going to be right there immediately mm-hmm. but if it's just another victim then i think you could get away with it as long as the name comes in i think it does come in because uh in Layla's, uh, when she's talking about she got home, Sam texted me asking me to come over. Oh, okay. So I think that's the mm-hmm. that's the, the victim. Um, but maybe somehow clarify that, make it a little bit more obvious. I don't know. There's options. Yeah. Depends yeah. on the intention. Again, we don't know the intention, so it's hard to say. <laughs> that is the downside of doing the first page. Again. And just the first page. Yeah, we come full circle to that. Yes. We should start asking for like a back cover copy mm-hmm. and then summary the of your page. story and the first page. Hey, that might be yeah. good practice for people. We can critique both if we have enough time. Yes. I love doing back cover mm-hmm. copies. Those are fun. I mean, whenever you write yours, you send it to me and I'm like, ha ha, that's like my favorite. Yep. <laughs> we'll my least favorite. We make a good team. Yeah, it's good. We balance out each other's weak points. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> One of the things that we don't get to critique on in the first pages exercise that we've started doing is uh, overall plot, which is what we're here to talk about today, right? (laughs) Um, We don't get to see the back cover copy setting up the story for us and introducing us to the Mm -hmm. main character. We don't get to know what the whole world is kind of uh, supposed to look like. We We don't get the vibe. We just get the first page and... If we happen to get all the pieces we need to kind of feel settled, excellent. If we don't, could come later. We don't know. Um, So all those things are really important for establishing your plot and laying out your story and knowing 
where you're going. Um, so we don't have a whole lot of opportunity to dive into that. That's why we're doing an entire episode on story building. Um, <clears throat> and you might find that this is a conversation where outliners get to shine. They get to like mm -hmm. just pull out all the stops and be like, here, have I got the strategy for you? Use this structure and you'll be golden. And it's just, you know, very prescriptive. And, you know, it's like the five steps to success. And it looks so easy. It looks so easy. Only and then, looks easy. It, and then you it's try. <laughs> and then you dive in and you actually try. And you're a pantser. And you flail around for a while. And you get into a panic because, oh, God. It is not as easy as they make it look. It's like those those people who are really athletic and you're trying one of their sports for the first time oh and you God, watch them do the it. Worst. This happens at the gym all the time because I like to watch these strong climbers climb. And they climb something. It's like, oh, they made that look really easy, really smooth. It looks like I could do that. Oh, yeah, I could do that. I try to hold on to the first thing. It's like, no. <laughs> not happening. It's like, no. Never. I can't even, like, I can't even grip it. This is me at horse shows. I'm like, oh my God, they rode that triple terribly. And then I get in there and just completely annihilate the triple. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> I should not have talked. <laughs> like, it always looks a lot easier than Absolutely. it is. Absolutely. <laughs> and yeah, yeah. So that's true here. Outlining looks really like straightforward and simple and you've got all your check boxes and you just line them up and go forward. But if that's not how you work, if that's not how your brain computes <laughs> pointing at myself here yeah me it's, too. it's not gonna it's not gonna ride just it's not gonna be a smooth journey but story building is at essence a simple concept you have your beginning you have your middle and you have your end that's true of any story worth reading but yeah when you try to fill in the boxes and actually write it it starts to get a lot more complicated than that where is the proper place to start how do i end this am i going to be ending it in a satisfying way for the reader and you talk about audience and it's just like okay there's now too many moving pieces and it can get really overwhelming um so you may have heard outliners bless their souls talking about story structures like the hero's journey the three-act structure there's this well-known book that i've heard lots about called save the cat i have never read it i have been told to read it numerous times i have yet never to read it act either. on it um, i haven't read any of my writing books i've got a stack behind me <laughs> Like craft books. I've yeah. never cracked one of them. Yeah. And I think for you and I, because we're pantsers, <laughs> it's harder for us to do that. Um, and what I've found more helpful is when I'm struggling with a certain craft issue, I go and read a section on that instead of trying to read the whole book yeah. in one shot, because that's not going to be effective. Um, but so you've heard all these structures, you've heard all these titles, and it's like, okay, there's, there's a strategy for me in there somewhere. There's so many. Um, and there might be. These might be exactly what you need. I don't want to dismiss that at all. Um, but also you might need to find your own way within some of them. So I'm going to go over a few basics. I'm going to try to keep it short. Haha, <laughs> she says in lies. <laughs> and uh, maybe you'll find yourself in here. Uh, but then I'm going to go over throughout the episode, we're going to talk about what we do to make this mm -hmm. work for us. And it's not going to look like the traditional structure. So if you're here as a pantser, if you're here as someone who just hasn't been able to fit into the outlining world, this is definitely the episode for you. If you are an outliner, but you just want to kind of explore some additional things and maybe your old strategies aren't working as well as you want them to, you might be able to pick up some things that would be helpful. So there's probably something for everyone here. And uh, maybe we'll get some comments that'll teach us some things about it too by the end of it. So... <laughs> <laughs> the first one I want to talk about is one of the most popular in Western fiction, The Hero's Journey. Uh, whenever I hear this one talked about, it's always Luke Skywalker's journey through oh, Star Wars. And uh, yeah, because it works, because it's very straightforward and you can see 
all the beats and everything. So I'm not going to go through the whole hero's journey here. You can look that up. I have Wikipedia open. Like, just watch Star Wars. Just watch if Star you've Wars. Seen Star Wars. You've seen the hero's journey. You have. Like, and I then mean, they did it again in the newer, mm-hmm. in the new trilogy. Mm-hmm. So you're and I mean, you can look at Lord of the Rings. You can look at anything. Mm-hmm. Really, we'll follow this in the Western world. I want to stress that point. This is a very Western mm-hmm. idea of storytelling. Um, so. Hero's journey it starts with this call to adventure, some refusal of the call. Like they use this different language to describe the different uh, stages of the character's arc through the plot. Um, and as I was looking this up, I noticed that the hero's journey can be slotted into the three act story structure. So you can use both if you really wanna. Um, <laughs> really outlining like mad. You can do yeah, both. Yeah, <laughs> there's like I said, there's something for everyone. There's something for the mad outliner at the very far end of the spectrum, and there's something for those people that want to toss all that out the window so hero's journey is one option the three-act structure is another and this is one of my favorites and i will explain that throughout the episode why i like it but i'll just go over it really quick it's three acts so three things act one is the setup you introduce your characters in your setting followed by your inciting incident so whatever it is that sets the story off into the main thread of the plot act two is the bulk of the story so act one and act three should be like maybe 25% if that Mm -hmm. and then act two in the middle is like that's everything else and it's your character arcs that you go through your characters should go through the most transformation here so if they need to change or develop in order for them to confront the main problem that should happen in act two um and then you get to act three and that's where you have all your rising action your climax your denouement um and just tying everything together and wrapping the story up so Again, these both of these, the hero's journey and the three-act structure, are very Western ideas. They're not the only options out there. Um, the one that I pulled from Wikipedia, <laughs> bless it, is um, Kisho Tenketsu. It's uh, popular in classic Chinese, Korean, and Japanese narratives, and it divides the story into four sections. And I'm not familiar enough with it. I haven't done research to like effectively describe it and how it works, but I'll, I will leave a link in the episode description to where you can read up more about it. You can always do your own research. Uh, we'll make sure you have the name of it so that you can find it easily because it's, you know, spelling is hard. And um, <laughs> <laughs> later on, maybe we can do an episode that specifically is like breaking down these structures, but that's not what mm-hmm. this one is about. This one's more about some loose strategies and, and overarching stuff. So, um, we're going to talk about some of the strategies that we use currently um, to do those things well. Yeah, first I'll have my little ramble, um, <laughs> <laughs> as, as I do. Uh, yeah, so plot, story, same, same thing. Uh, your characters drive a story, but you still need a plot for them to follow. So what can you throw at your character to make them grow? What kind of conflict can force the journey in the direction that you want it to go and you need it to go to get to the end that you want? Um, Again, repeating myself, I feel like I say this every episode, but reading (laughs) is research. Reading is research. Mm -hmm. Uh, Pick up pick up a popular or like a well done book in the genre that you're writing in and read it and think about how all of those ingredients came together to create a good story. Um, <laughs> probably multiple romance examples. <laughs> so I just find that's like the easiest one. Well, that's fair because romance follows such a strict structure. Yeah, it, right? yeah, it follows a structure. So it's a great for examples. I, I quite like it. So uh, I read a book recently where two characters uh, team up to deal with their toxic bosses. Ooh. So 
Romance is obviously endgame because it was a romance. <laughs> but the events that result from their you know, self-imposed mission is what drives them to have their happy ending together. Okay. So you can't have a, hey, like these two people are really compatible. They met in this like super cute, quirky way and nothing bad ever happened. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's so boring. Yeah. Yep. Okay. <laughs> Just because that's how maybe you met your spouse in real life. That's how we're going to read about it. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's my little ramble about Mm -hmm. uh, plot. And one of the other things that is important uh, that we've touched on before in the world building episode, I think, but it's it's important to create like a clear time period with language and setting as Mm -hmm. well for your story. Because you don't really want to like roll up to a story and it's like, this is set in France and like all the French you used is wrong (laughs) oops (laughs) or or you didn't use any French at all and like Uh just you know you gotta establish it and then you gotta kind of follow the rules that you just made for yourself Mm -hmm. yeah you gotta build on it like we can we can make stuff up that's yeah we're in the business of doing that but Mm -hmm. if you establish a guideline if you establish a rule um, and you don't follow, follow it. it, your reader's going to notice that. They're going to be like, yeah. you established this rule and you broke it right away. I don't trust mm-hmm. you. Because there's there's an element yes. of trust between you and the narrator. And if you break mm-hmm. that, um, it's like the, the unreliable narrator thing is really mm-hmm. popular, right? And that can be done if done well. But that's not about breaking the rules and just not following yeah. the things that you set up and subverting expectations like that. It's You still have to work within the expectations of the reader. And that could be really yeah. tricky. But yeah, back to if you're not an outliner, have no fear. We're going to be reassuring you throughout this episode because obviously we're reassuring ourselves. Neither of us outline a thing. This is a positive self-talk episode. Absolutely. If the only the people who listen to it are us, we've done our job. Yeah. Um, but I've discovered through much trial and error, and if you don't believe me about that, you can say that to my backlog of 70 story ideas that I started in high school. Um, <laughs> trial and error, let me tell you, mostly error. Uh, while pantsing and just, you know, winging it is super fun. Uh, one of my, and it's one of my favorite ways to write. I will probably never change. It's just not practical. I think if yeah. you're a pantser, you've noticed that it's, you, you end up with a bit of a mess. And then yeah. you have to do a lot of work to fix it. And... So I'm not trying to say that now we need to all convert to ride or die outlining, but um, there are other ways to figure out your story and still use what you love about the pantsing technique, but add a little bit of structure to it, a little bit of guidance Mm -hmm. so that when you finish that first draft, it's a little bit more usable and less of a mountain to kind of try and (laughs) edit down because I've done that and it's hard. So this is all about just like helping us make our work work for us a little bit better. Mm -hmm. So... Um, I like to keep a really loose structure for my first draft. And going back to in the intro, what we were saying before, beginning, middle, and end. It is that simple at first. Um, that's literally it. I don't add in a fancy structure. I don't look at the hero's journey. No save the cat for me. Um, it's just me, my ideas, and the page. And then as I go, that's when I start to refine my structure. And the one that I like to use is the three-act structure. And I'll get into why. So as a pantser, I find that it it leaves a lot more wiggle room than something like The Hero's Journey. The Hero's Journey is very detailed. Like there's, let me go back and look. There are 17 different stages. If you look at the, the Campbell version from 1949, but then you look at the 2007 version, they've refined it to 12. That's still a whole lot. 
Yeah, I lost interest after like the third one. Yeah, right? I'm out. <laughs> so so I like the three-act structure because it it's a lot looser. Um, and it and it follows the beginning, middle, and end mindset like a lot better. So even if I plan out my three basic acts, like my inciting incident for act one, something happens to set off the plot, um, some of the growth things that need to happen in act two to get me to the ending that I know I want to have in act three. That's it. That's what I plan out. Um, and that's what helps me ensure that my first drafts are actually quite usable by the time they're done because I haven't spent as much time just wandering. When I don't plan out my ending, I just wander because it's fun. And you get to like write all these different scenes that is like, oh, this would be really cute or this would be really dramatic. And you get to add in all these different things. But I found just doing it that way with no structure whatsoever, I had a whole bunch of pieces that I couldn't do anything with because they don't all fit together because I haven't been following a, a joining thread. Um but if I if I have this loose structure of okay this is the, be- this is the beginning and this is the ending I need to get you cut out the middle piece if you want just mm-hmm. take beginning and end this is where my character starts this is where I want them to get this is the point of the story um, and there will be other things that are just as important as that major point but you need that major point as like the driving thing that that's what I'm shooting for that's the that's the point of this thing and if I lose sight of it people get confused so it's mm-hmm. really important but it's it's important to me to have a lot of dif- options and different ways of getting to that ending even if the ending stays the same the way I get there is the thing that changed and, and that's how mm-hmm. I keep pantsing even though I have a structure because I'm not locked down to all these different elements of the first act or elements of the third act I can mm-hmm. do whatever I want as long as my beginning and end still connect in a way that makes sense um I like listening to you talk then I'm like Oh my God, what do I do again? <laughs> uh, <laughs> so after after listening to your methods, um, I think I'm going to coin myself as a discovery writer because mm-hmm. I I don't go in with any of that. Yeah, I don't. I go in there like I open up a blank Word doc. I'm like, I kind of had this idea for like lady assassins, and uh, I think I want there to be some romance. <laughs> And then I start. Yeah, so you are, I would say, so, you are a I'm true a pantser in true comparison pantser. to me. I used to be that way. What has happened to me over the years, because I've had so, like, we just talked about, I've had so many mm-hmm. first drafts where I've just had to start right from scratch again for a second draft. Like, sure. there was nothing really usable in the first yeah. draft. Um, so now the method becomes a little bit like, I chase my vibes <laughs> for a while, a few chapters mm-hmm. at least. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I start to plot the chapter out. I don't plot any further than the chapter okay. usually, uh, but I will keep a separate doc with like brainstorming. So, you know, I'll plot chapter four and then I'll be like, hey, you know, it'd be a good midpoint thing would be if this happened. And so I'll mm-hmm. make a little note in my brainstorming doc, like, hey, like this could happen. It's all stuff that could happen. I'm not locked in at all. Yeah. Um, and then there's usually at some point in the draft and like, this is such a hard, like it's different for everyone. So it's like trying to explain how things feel. It's very difficult. There will be a point of like no return in my draft where I'm like, Oh, now, this is the ending I'm writing to. Yeah. Now and I then need I, to know. Yeah. And then it has intent after mm-hmm. that. Uh, and then when I edit, when I go through and edit for a second draft, a lot of what I do is I go through the whole thing and I like make notes of what needs to happen for that ending to be really good Yeah, for it to make sense. And then yeah. I start to thread that through as I go. Mm-hmm. So I feel like my editing process, I'm currently editing right now. It feels 
like overwhelming a little bit. I'm sure I could fine tune it, but that my brain just won't cooperate yeah. to do any kind of outlining <laughs> aside from like a chapter, a chapter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but that's okay. I mean, you you're going to fine tune stuff in the editing phase anyway. So if you kind of find yourself just chasing your story a little bit, that's that's okay. And in first draft like that do that. Um but the thing that the hard part about that is sometimes you have to write yourself. I say it's like writing yourself into a corner. You get yep. to a point where you're like, I have yep. no idea where to go. Mm-hmm. And that usually when that happens, your problem has started way before that page yeah. somewhere. It's yep. not just on that chapter that you're having problems. That's so probably say you're having this on chap- issue on chapter 10. The problem could be in chapter nine. The problem could be in chapter two. Yep. Um, and that's usually when you're just drafting. That's a great place to say from here on out, I'm doing this this way mm-hmm. and then carry on and yeah. write your way out of that hole, write yourself back in the direction that you wanted to be in in the first place. And then you can go fix that. So that was a bit of a tangent about editing, but still fits. <laughs> still, still fits. So I think a lot of writers try and have the whole story arc uh, plot it out before they begin and like yeah. again if you're an outliner do That's it great like we love to hate you yeah. Go for it. <laughs> <laughs> that must be nice <laughs> but for the rest of our us mere mortals <laughs> not outline um just start writing and keep it like this has been the biggest thing for me I used to try and write everything in one document like Mm -hmm. for some dumb dumbass reason (laughs) now that I have Scribner which I love and no I don't get paid to plug Scribner I just love it that (laughs) much um I have like a separate folder and like these are brainstormings and then I have like edits for next draft and then I have like character bios and like I have all that stuff so I can flip back and forth uh, without losing my spot in my document. Mm-hmm. And then they also have this like little sidebar where you can like type out your um, notes, whatever. And that's where I plot my chapter. And it's really handy. So, I mean, I, I like it. But yeah, just remember when you're drafting, like you can stop anywhere in your draft and say, no, I've decided main character's profession needs to change. Mm-hmm. You're in chapter 20. That's fine. Make a big note, flag it. <laughs> make make a note in your edit list yep and then you can fix it later I think that a lot of us get uh we all do this we're like we want our first draft to be perfect we want it to make sense as Mm -hmm. a story Mm -hmm. uh your first draft maybe it will make sense from beginning to end like at least sent me her first draft of her third book for the nymph keepers and I was like this is amazing this reads like a fifth draft (laughs) um and then there was me who's gonna send her the, the draft actually second draft of my um lady assassin story and I was yeah. like oh dear none of this. <laughs> it's like three different stories mashed together so oh, I'm doing man. another edit but to I be to be off. fair like I'm sending you the third book in a series you're sending me a standalone yes, I have true. I have all the world building done like I know what that's I'm doing true. and I that's have my characters developed right if you're writing a series I think the outlining is more helpful yeah it comes in a lot more handy yes I wish I would yeah. have outlined honestly I wish I would have outlined book one to book three because mm-hmm. now it's like I'm probably missing some inconsistencies that I'm just not aware of because I didn't plan it out. But I obsessively read your stuff and I haven't noticed it. Yet, so. <laughs> okay, maybe I'm better than I thought. <laughs> okay, <laughs> you're doing well. <laughs> and there we go off on another rant about something else. <laughs> oh yeah, it's us. I'm sure they're used to it by now. <laughs> yeah. Okay, but yeah, moving on to other things, we're getting into some tips and tricks here. Um, so I want to, yeah, I'm trying to 
nail down something really practical that I can share about my process. Because a lot of time it's just like, do these theoretical things. And theoretically, mm-hmm. that will help you do theoretically better. Um, <laughs> theoretically, but- <laughs> you're going to change the theoretical vibes. Yeah. Theoretically. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's very... I don't know. It's like when you go to go to school for something and you get all this book knowledge and then you go and start a job and try to apply it. And it's like, this doesn't, this doesn't, what? <laughs> I doesn't thought I knew this crap, but I don't know anything. Oh no. And then imposter syndrome and everything. So trying to get practical. One of my favorite tips, which I have I think I shared with Maria initially, and she's mm-hmm. become one of the biggest advocates and makes me feel like a trendsetter and I feel awesome. I'm pretty sure I got it from Eileen Cook, probably ripped it off her. She'll forgive me. Um, (laughs) But uh, lists, you've probably figured out that we both like lists at this point. We talk about them obsessively all the time, but I kid you not, we found ways to add lists into the writing process at all stages, at all (laughs) stages. And it's not just checklists either. So this method for getting unstuck or when you're trying to figure out how to move forward, um, even if you're not stuck, you're just like, okay, I need to move. I need to write a new scene here and I'm not sure where I want to go. Mm-hmm. Um, the list method is my favorite for either of those scenarios. Um, even if I'm just working on my overall outline or just figure out a single scene. So I'll start by making a list of options. And I say, okay, my goal is always to list up to 100 options. I want to reach 100 one day. I don't know if it'll ever happen because my list often stops between 10 and 20 things. And I think the reason for that is the first five things that I list, how could this scene go? Where could I go from here? How could I move the story forward? The first five things are nonsensical. Monkeys drive in on a motor car, throw that into everything. Someone finds a bomb, throw that into everything. Someone comes in with a gun. I don't care what time period you're in, there's a gun. Um, time machine, you know, we can, we can work with it. So the first five are just complete bogus. The next five are usually more obvious options. It's like, yeah, it would naturally go here. The, uh, the reader would probably predict it. And it's just going to be easy for me to take it in this direction. But it's not very exciting. And then I start listing a few more. And that's when they get fun. And that's when they get interesting. And like the first five to ten options are usually the practice ones. They get me warmed up for this list. And then something really great usually appears. And I have this eureka moment of, Mm -hmm. oh, my God, I just figured out the biggest twist in history. And I'm going to go down for it as just... The mastermind, and no, that will never happen, but it feels like it will, and it's They worth are it. really good, though. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so that's my tip, is, is list it out, and just, you mm-hmm. know, it's a brainstorming exercise to get kind of the crappy ideas out of the way, and then it'll, yeah. it'll warm up your brain and free you up to think about, like, something amazing. Mm-hmm. And this is how I got to the end of that Greek mythology-based <gasps> story that I wrote. That I makes like, me so happy. Oh, I loved, I love that story. I, and I got there, I was like, I was like, I think I was like three quarters of the way through. I was like, how am I going to end this? <laughs> so I came up with like three options. And then obviously I sent them to Elise. Because <laughs> I'm very codependent. <laughs> and she was like, this one's good. This one kind of feels like a cop out. This one is badass. And I was like, mm. oh, okay, good. Mm-hmm. I'll do the badass one. Excellent. <laughs> and it's, it's and great. And it is and badass. It's, it's pretty good. <laughs> and so that's also where the exercise like works. It doesn't have to be just for a scene. You can do this yeah. for your ending. You can do it for your middle. It's such a helpful exercise. Mm-hmm. I mean, I really love it. Um, and my favorite one, <laughs> daydreaming. <laughs> I just, it, 
<laughs> that's why I came up with the podcast yeah. idea. You're the well. true pantser among us. The yes, true I pantser. really am. I'm a total, like, I'm daydreaming about stuff, and then my brain will latch onto something mm-hmm. and then latch onto something else, and now that's usually how oh, almost okay. all my so ideas that's- come. Yes. That's why you message me all the time, like, hey, I just thought of this thing, and you're yeah. actually doing that. Like, I don't work that way. I have to sit down and be like, okay, I'm going to think about this thing now. And then I find an idea. But you're just like, Eureka, you have those all the time. It makes me really yes. jealous. But then then I get really sad when I'm not getting that. Oh, so yeah. We'll get into my There's a dark thing, side. My, my actual sort of plan for you for your daydreaming. I mean, sure, if you're at school, whatever. But like, I really like to do it when I'm not going to be inter- interrupted or like mm-hmm. I'm not required to like, mm-hmm. you know, be on a phone call or something. That's a bad time to daydream because you'll just <laughs> think of something good and someone's asking you something. You're like, oh, shit. Yeah. And then you'll forget so, about it. Oh, yeah. So I like to do it. So like I have dogs, so I go walking every morning. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of the time when I'm walking, I will sort of start thinking about what I'm working on right now or like what I'm going to work on next. And that's usually um pretty helpful for me to like get myself in the mindset to write for one thing and to help me find like the holes in my story that seems to be when I fix most of them so you'll see me walking dogs and then I just stop abruptly and type like uh two paragraphs into my (laughs) phone and then I keep going that's because brainstorming while I'm walking awesome um it's good to do when you're driving as long as you could do it safely obviously And uh, the way it works for me, I usually put on like relaxing music, whatever, whatever that is for you. I mean, for me, I've been really into like classical lately, just very relaxing, no words. So like my brain can really wander. And I kind of daydream about my story, like as if it were a movie, like what would it look like if it were a movie? And that really helps me with world building, Mm -hmm. for sure. Mm -hmm. Helps me with character, like facial expressions and tone and stuff, like really as vivid as I can. Yeah. Um, so the, yeah, the daydreaming exercise. I mean, I feel like we get told not to daydream and stuff when you're kid, like pay attention. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's actually like such a great thing for you to do for yourself and for your brain. So yeah. relearn how to daydream. Permission to daydream. Um, and the other thing that I find very helpful is um, refill that creative well, which we have talked about before. Uh, and that works for when you're drafting and stuff too. So do things that inspire your writing. So yeah. like watch movies that you love that inspire you. If you're writing like a, a Regency fantasy, then okay, you can watch some, you know, period dramas or whatever. Um, make a mood board on Pinterest. That's actually been really fun. I'm, and we went and shared on mood boards and I'm like, they're out of control for like 200 yeah. pins. Because <laughs> we could see it. I'm like, oh, at least we'll agree that this is good. Pin, pin, pin. Mm-hmm. Um, TikTok. Yeah. rather book talk. Uh, that's great because there's lots of recommendations. There's ideas. One of my favorite things I see is people will do like, um, they'll do mood boards for their stories or they'll do it for books that they're trying to get you to read and mm-hmm. it'll have like music and like all these images and it's just great, yeah. great inspiration. Yeah. Um, yeah. And don't, don't stop consuming stories just because you're drafting. So I have trouble reading a lot when I'm drafting, mm-hmm. I think, cause I can only <laughs> focus mm-hmm. on, certain things when I'm drafting I get kind of in a mode yeah um, but that's okay you're you still need to take some brain break time and that's a good time to watch like movies tv shows or like yeah read a book that you know almost by heart like yeah. a comfort read kind of thing yeah um like I said inspiration can come from anywhere like you could you could be like a lot of people get it in the shower because you're in there with yeah. the no distractions no phone nothing and that's usually when you start thinking about mm-hmm. about your story so 
Um, basically, the takeaway is slack off and daydream and listen to some <laughs> classical music. And then make some lists and you're good to yeah, go. Yeah, make some lists. <laughs> and you're good to go. That's all you need to know to be a writer, obviously. <laughs> oh, man. I think this leads pretty well into one of my favorite co- quotes, and it's by Neil Gaiman. And he, I've often heard writers just repeat this one, that the second draft is where you go after you gather together the fragments of the first draft and figure out what it is you did. And make it look like that was what you always meant to do. So I take that as first draft is freedom. First draft, especially if you're a panster, you should just play. You're just having the time of your life because you can do whatever the hell you want. It doesn't matter if it makes sense. It doesn't matter if it fits together from beginning to end. Um, mm-hmm. It's If you want to take Maria's words, like it's for your eyes only. You don't have to share it with anybody. I, I like to work that mm-hmm. way that I don't share my first draft until I've had a look at it as a complete set and made some changes to make it make sense. And that's that's when I send it out to my beta readers. Um, and it can be absolutely nonsensical. Um, it's like you're building a puzzle and you're putting mm-hmm. the pieces together wrong and you don't care. That's okay. You haven't found the whole picture yet, um, but you'll get there. And the where you'll start to get there is in draft two. That's where you start to pick it apart and make it make sense. That's what Neil Gaiman is saying. That's where you add foreshadowing and your crazy twists that you can build up to and the information that you had before, um, but now you want to introduce it at a different stage so that you can keep it a secret longer or shorter and just change the pacing to make it make more sense. Deciding all of that in the first draft is going to be basically impossible. Like you're gonna, you're never gonna finish because you're always gonna be stuck on trying to know everything, but you don't know anything yet because it's not done. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm getting really intense about this because this is my, like, this is my favorite thing to talk about. And just if every writer could figure this out really quickly, they would just mm-hmm. improve miles and miles faster than we have to all kind of slog through and figure it out slowly, right? Um, draft two isn't even for expanding what's not clear enough or cutting back what's overdone. That's like draft three or four problem. Draft two is for deciding pacing and how the plot intertwines with the subplots and the character arcs and the relationships, how that all fits together. And yeah, I think that's why I honestly find it useless to create a hyper-specific outline for my first draft. Like it just doesn't work for me. I just, I don't know enough at that point about Mm -hmm. the characters, about the story to start that way. I have to figure it out as I go along. And I I function best when I have a really loose structure and a lot of leeway. And I just want to emphasize outliners may not be able to function that way. And that is okay. If you need a strict schedule and a strict outline in order to move forward, that's that's how you work. And that's amazing. <laughs> like, I know a couple outliners that are super intense about their outlines and I've looked at them as like, I wish I could do that. I feel like yeah. that would like make my life so much better, but it doesn't work for me. Um, so yeah, don't, don't feel like you have to get pigeonholed into one way of doing things. Exactly. And, and the other thing, when you're building your plot and everything like that, and this is where this is where multiple drafts come into play. Mm -hmm. You're creating layers on layers on layers. Draft one is Mm -hmm. layer one. Draft Mm -hmm. two is layer two. Draft three is layer three. And like you're building a cake or whatever. Layers donkey. It's an onion. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And and like Lisa said this before on the show, and I I love this advice. It's great. The scene should always be doing more than one thing. Mm. And that is a little touch slightly super overwhelming if you're trying to do that in your first draft yes. so just let that shit go you're gonna do all that in your second draft um and then when you're editing you can be like what can I add here so like here's a little example that's actually not a romance example so everybody Ooh. three cheers for me um your characters are literally gearing up for battle putting on their I don't know, armor par- armor parts, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Swords mm-hmm. of shit, whatever. 
<laughs> great place to add in a little conversation with their friend, which, you know, they're worried about the battle. They're scared. Mm-hmm. They're ready to go like mess shit up. Mm-hmm. So that's giving depth to the scene and it's upping the stakes as well because it's giving us that emotional context. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you could add in maybe the weather changes too. And now they've got to deal with like mud and rain and like you can, those are all different layers. When you write your first yeah. draft, they could literally just get in, get ready for battle. Mm-hmm. Then when you write your second draft, you're like, hey, I'm going to throw in a little chat with a friend. I'm going to throw in a little weather. Yeah. Next thing you know, that scene has really come alive and it feels mm-hmm. very intense now. But you couldn't do that in your first draft. You know, maybe that character gets killed off earlier. Like, mm-hmm. you just haven't decided yet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so again, coming back to my robots example, you got one. <laughs> not robots example. There's always a main plot thread, which is the romance in a romance novel. And there's always a secondary plot thread where, like, the main character is trying to, like, get a promotion at work or, like, heal her relationship with her mom or, like, whatever, whatever the secondary plot is. And you can run those two parallel to each other until they intersect near the end. So you can write your entire first draft with the single plot thread if you want. Like, that's kind of what I do. That's why my first drafts are, like, 50,000 words or less. I just write very single-minded <laughs> in the first draft. And then I go back in and then I'm like, okay, what's my other plot going to be here? And then I I put layer it in. Mm-hmm. And then it's it's a much more like one of our, one of the, uh, it's a feedback I got on my pages recently was that I have, sounds like a very layered story. And I was like, oh, that's good because I sure as <laughs> shit did not think it was. <laughs> but that was just an example of like, my editing is working because I'm getting that done. Yeah. And it can be so easy to hear all of this and try and think about it all and just stop yourself before you even get started. Because there's so like, this is what we're saying. There's so many moving pieces. Don't try to bring them all together. Mm -hmm. Um, And whether you get stalled because you're trying to outline and the story just isn't coming to you or you're writing a scene and just doesn't fit into the outline that you did have. um, Mm -hmm. Now you don't know what to do. It's, I think it's easiest to get bogged down by this in the first draft, because once you have the draft, you can spend time on plot holes, you can problem solve and fix things. But until mm-hmm. all you, you have all of the pieces together, you can't patch any holes because the structure isn't even put together. Like, mm-hmm. if it's Ikea furniture, you just have all the stuff and the instructions and you haven't put it together yet, so stop patching holes. Stop doing that. <laughs> Don't create problems where there are none. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and... This is this is why I kind of harp on not copy editing your first chapter mm-hmm. until you've written the entire story, um, because you might decide that chapter one, draft one, doesn't fit with chapter 31 in draft one, and you might cut chapter one altogether or just completely change it. Um, don't waste your time editing small things that might just get axed. Finish the story first. That's your priority. Then fix the structure. Mm-hmm. Then you can worry about sentences and grammar and all that ugly stuff. Yeah, that always comes last. Yeah. Like, way last. Way last. <laughs> Otherwise, it's just extra work. Mm-hmm. We want to avoid that extra work. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's one of those... Uh, I mean, I'm really good at this, the whole imposter syndrome thing and anxiety. They're really super fun, fun qualities to have when you're trying to write a story. Um, because I will kind of hem and haw about what I'm going to do next. I'm like, oh, is that going to be a good choice? Well, now I'm just like, well, fuck it. I'm just going to go. <laughs> Just gonna go for it. I don't care if it's a good choice. I'm just gonna I'm gonna write. If uh, this scene is not coming to me, I'm gonna make a note. 
fill in a scene where main character does something cool. I've literally written that. Although I usually <laughs> write main character does something badass <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. Main character does something sexy with the mm-hmm. love interest. <laughs> I will do that. And then I will just move on. Go on. Yep. <laughs> move forward. Yep. And yeah, I mean, maybe if it's a pivotal moment in your story, maybe you got to do at least this exercise where you write down a bunch of options and you decide which way to go. Um, and honestly, sometimes you just need to walk away from your draft for a couple of days and, yep. and try and brainstorm it out. Yep. Like without forcing it. I think it's the thing I should get to about the daydreaming Sleep brainstorming thing. It's pretty hard to force it. Yeah. Um, another thing that sometimes helps is uh, write a scene from a different character's perspective mm-hmm. even if it's not a point of view character so like write one from a side character's point of view yeah it can really just help give you the clear picture that you're mm-hmm. searching for yep and then yeah you're not going to include it because they're not a point of view character that's fine that's fine but it will probably help you get unstuck yeah and that might help you figure out whatever else you need for your story if for you're not sure. an outliner like me this is a very great exercise yeah it works really well for me mm-hmm. um and as for like getting your plot strong, do your first draft, do your edits, send out to your beta readers yeah. and just let them tell you what worked and what didn't work because yeah. you get so close to your own work. You cannot freaking tell. Mm-hmm. You cannot tell. Oh my goodness. And- <laughs> I'm sitting here, sitting on your, your feedback for book three of the Nymph Keepers and I send it to you like, this is this is a piece of trash. This is a flaming pile of garbage that will never be usable. I have mm-hmm. to I have to restart. They're going to send me back my feedback. I'm going to have to rewrite it all from the beginning, from scratch. Yeah. And I'm never going to get it published because it's going to take forever. And then Maria sends back her comments and is like, this is hands down the best thing you've ever written. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a god. I'm a goddess. I'm winning this day. You are a queen and we all bad. I should down just press you. publish and not even bother with the editing. No, don't do that. Bad. Bad yeah, I don't. Yeah, we don't get too excited. But that's <laughs> one of those things where, where you get so wrapped up in your story that it's sometimes hard. You're like, this is stupid. This mm-hmm. doesn't work. This whole mm-hmm. side plot doesn't work. And yeah. then you're going to give it to your beta readers and you're going to be like, this is genius. Yeah. I mean, they might be like, this is stupid. They might. That is a risk that you take. Absolutely. (laughs) But let them tell you that first. Exactly. And that's the tea on story building and our last episode of season two. So thank you so much to our listeners and our submitters, as well as my wonderful friend, Michael, who provided the music for our show. If you want to hear more from him, and you should, he is so talented. You can follow him on Instagram at Michael Favreau. To keep up to date with our plans for season three, follow us on Instagram at the Tea Grannies podcast and on Twitter at the Tea Grannies. Happy writing.